from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I am so thankful to have you all here today. I am thankful that I only burned the turkey a little bit. I'm sorry, gang. You know, I am thankful that our governor is not going to let those refugees in here. Oh, my God. You know, I heard the refugees are all ISIS in disguise. Oh, yeah, that's true. I actually saw an ISIS in the A&P today when I was picking up the yams. No, you didn't, Aunt Kathy. That was an Asian woman. You know what? I have a question for you. Why is it that your friends keep antagonizing the police? Why would you ask my boyfriend that? I'm just trying to get to know Jamal. That's very confrontational. And she's a guest here. Excuse me? She's a guest here. Hello. It's me. Does that situation resonate with you in any way? Do you argue with family about politics at family gatherings? During our conversation, you can send an email to talk at stlpr.org or call us at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK. And joining me in the studio to talk about navigating tricky dynamics at the holidays is clinical psychologist Dr. Marva Robinson. She's a member of the St. Louis Association of Black Psychologists. Dr. Marva Robinson, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I don't know how much Adele gets played in your house, but but other than that, (laughs) did anything in that clip uh, sound familiar? Yeah, actually, um, I had a director once that played that clip before the holidays to kind of just break the tension before a meeting. But um, it's it's very typical. I think it's a pretty funny sketch and um, just goes to show what families may be tackling around the table this this week. Yeah. And the thing about that sketch, it's kind of a a slow moving car crash. It's like (laughs) the people around the table know what's coming, but there's a sense you just can't avoid it. Their idea was to get some laughs, but is there anything in the way people are interacting there that we might actually learn something from? Well, you know, sometimes when we're in the conversations, we aren't aware of how our questions or responses may land. So to kind of see a sketch where, you know, you may have felt a bit awkward just listening to it may make you a little bit think a a second time about some questions or things you may say at the table. Uh, Is angst around the holidays something that many patients bring to you? Yes, it is actually um, not just angst around the dinner table conversations, but also in what to do. Um, I have a lot of people that um, become a little bit worried about how soon they should start cooking, how much they have to cook, how many people they're preparing for. And so we have very open conversations around what are the holidays supposed to be about for you? What is joy for you? What is peace for you? And if cooking for a week in advance and cleaning dishes for five hours isn't something that's joyful for you, then we may want to reconsider what that looks like. Mm. Well, Katie tweets her plan to avoid family conflict. She tweets, don't go and enjoy your day doing something that pleases you. That's Katie's plan. She Mm -hmm. also says, uh, it is awesome and peaceful. I see no reason to be around people on a special day that I choose not to interact with on any normal day. Uh, So... Some people know they might have a a fraught relationship with a family member, but view Mm -hmm. a a time like Thanksgiving as a time to try to come together. Is is a big holiday like this a good space for fence mending? 
It can be, but, um, you know, as you've said earlier, sometimes people walk into it with a bit of angst. So it could be, you know, a powder keg situation or it may be a time for mending fences. I mean, I love the comment from um, that particular person on Twitter because that's kind of where I center things. You know, what's peaceful and joy for you? And if that's something that you wouldn't normally do throughout the year, you know, then trying to force yourself in a situation where at the end of the day you'll feel like, why did I do this? You know, maybe it's time to consider something different. Yeah. Well, some people will say don't lose a friendship over politics, but it, it, it's one thing when you're disagreeing about health care policy or tax policy. Mm-hmm. It's quite different if you perceive you're, you're very right to live and work and thrive in a society being threatened by someone else's quote unquote political views. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you navigate this? That's very tricky. So the decision has to lie around the questions of how important is this friendship to me? Um, can we move past if they disagree with me? Um, but also how far they want to go to stand their ground, right? Like, are they open to hearing an opposing view? Are we able to do research together? Can we have a conflict or a conversation where we disagree and still walk away from it as friends? However, definitely over the past few years, some conversations have become extremely divisive. And I've heard of plenty of stories where people have lost childhood friends, best friends, because some fundamental things that they just critically believe into their core, they're just so far apart. There was just no way to kind of navigate a center. And it's unfortunate. But at the same time, you know, it may just be time to take a space, um, reconsider what's most important and valued in a friendship, and then try to find a way at some other time of how to find your way back to the center. Yeah. And we do invite listeners into the conversation. You can give us a call. We have line, lines open right now. You can do that at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK. We're checking Twitter. Tweet us at STL on air or send an old email. You can send that to talk at stlpr.org. Some other listener comments. Leslie in St. Louis uh, on a similar topic writes, uh, how do I handle the the pro-choice, pro-life topic with my brother and sister-in-law who are struggling with infertility? Their personal struggles to have children understandably impact their views in that they can't understand why anyone would choose abortion over place would choose abortion over placement for adoption. I want to respect their sensitivity and their heartache while explaining why I support choice. Well, Dr. Robinson, what would you say to Leslie? I would say that is a very um, that may be a conversation that requires some time. And so if it's something that may seem sensitive at the outset, I would try to navigate away from having that conversation. Um, What could be having um, dinner together and laughter could turn into tears. And so I would try to navigate towards a different topic, maybe um, a game or the family planning to get together to do a charity benefit sometime in the future, something that may be more friendly, forward thinking, something active. And I would try to probably steer clear from that topic. Hmm. Let's let's look at some more comments we're getting. Uh, oh, a listener who would rather not give their name. And by the way, that's fine. Yes, we know this. Totally we fine. know this can be sensitive. So you can give your comment anonymously. That that's perfectly fine with us. So one listener who gave uh, some information. Via email, wrote, over the years, one family member has asked to include members of the family they married into. Last year, we actually had more non-family members than there were of the actual family. All of them were related, she Mm. adds. 
I feel like they've taken over our holidays and I don't even want to go. I wish there was a way to uninvite them, but I'm sure that would just cause hurt feelings and I don't want to cause problems within the family. So managing attend <laughs> attendance at holiday gatherings. Do many people struggle with this? Yes. Um, and, and typically, and it is okay for the host of dinner to set rules around plus ones or plus twos or plus tens, right? So it is a bit rude to show up to a dinner with un uninvited guests. Um, but the host just may want to um, send out some information in advance. You know, dinner is limited to X number of individuals. You know, these are the ones that are being invited. You know, we love everyone, but due to a limit of space or food or whatever have you, finding a, a tactful way of, of crafting that. Um, it's unfortunate that they've gotten to a place where they don't even want to attend their own Thanksgiving mm -hmm. dinner. Um I would probably suggest having a conversation with someone from the other family and seeing if they can kind of find a middle ground. You know, maybe the other family, maybe time for them to have their own, host their own dinner. And then everyone can get together later on that evening as kind of like a after dinner hangout. Um, but I think it's it's important for that caller to express how they are feeling about the holidays. Yeah, and what I hear from you is it's, it's there. You can be creative about ways to split up the day. It's yes. not like Thanksgiving is this one big Absolutely. thing you either do or you do not do. Absolutely, but maybe find something that works with that particular dynamic. Yeah, you can even center you know things around maybe a football game afterwards or some other sport or um, call it a nightcap or whatever have you. But there's other ways of kind of to of trying to like navigate the dinner situation that could be comfortable for everyone. Yeah. What, what kind of research have you done that, that speaks to this particular dynamic? <laughs> How about personal experience? Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's about what's comfortable for you um, and, and not necessarily giving up your boundaries, but you don't want to have them so stringent that you push everyone away. But you, you do want to try to find a compromising being as creative as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how have you solved some of these problems in your life? Well, for myself, um, I tend to border on the what's peaceful and joyful for you. So for me, you know, the after cleaning process can be tedious. So that's when I will opt out for. So it may not look like cooking five and 10 dishes, you know, three or four days ahead. It may be ordering out a favorite meal, picking great movies and just enjoying the time with my son. Yeah. And right now, you know, we are talking about the, the U.S. holiday Thanksgiving. I do want to mention that many people view the day as a time uh, to honor indigenous people and culture. Absolutely. And a day of mourning for the many Native people who were enslaved and murdered by white colonists from Europe. Yes. It also bears remembering that many of our neighbors will not be fortunate enough to enjoy a nice warm feast on Thursday. So mm -hmm. you can visit stlpr.show for some links to organizations that help people find food and shelter. But that idea of taking the day and making it what works for you mm -hmm. sounds like an important piece of this. Absolutely. And also trying to find a way of either uh, trying to find a way of giving back, whether if it's you volunteer to drop off turkeys or meals to a shelter or your family focus on a project or adopting a family for the Christmas holidays. Um, that way you kind of center the conversation about what you're really thankful for and how you can give back. We need to take a quick break right now, but we will be back shortly to continue this conversation. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio.
Welcome back to St. Louis on the Air. Mike in St. Louis called in with this advice for approaching heated conversations among family members. When a heated political discussion flares up over Thanksgiving dinner, I like to say to my disagreeable family members that uh, the topic at hand is complicated. Then I'll share what I would have shared if I were going to say I'm right and you're wrong, but under the thesis of it's complicated, it slows it down and doesn't turn into a who's right or wrong competition. Great, great point from Mike. By the, yeah. by the time we get to this conversation, a lot of times we kind of convinced in our position already. So Absolutely. are there better and worse ways to bring this up? Absolutely. No, it's exactly what you said. Um, I think one of the best things to walk into the dinner knowing um, is that this is a time where it is not likely you will change someone's opinion in that Mm. moment. It is more likely an individual will dig their heels in. So if I already know that the capacity for change is very limited because there's so many other things going on, then the energy I expend in trying to convince someone just may be wasted. So I I love the pivot. You know, it's a complicated um, topic right now, but how about and bring up something else? Or, you know, let's look at this picture. Or what about so-and-so? Or even, you know, finding a way to break up the time to remember those who may not no longer be at the dinner table, right? So finding a different way to break the tension um, but certainly I would agree with that, Carla, not delving into two topics that are complicated. And it sounds like there's there's no one one answer to these questions. It's different people in different situations. Absolutely. For some, it may be introducing humor. Um, for others, it may be, you know, breaking out a board game. For others, it just may be a bit of awkward silence and just changing the topic. So, you know, individuals know the dynamics of their family and what works best. But I think at the end of the day, trying to salvage the conversation by pivoting from those topics is, is the best best way to go. I think you make a great point by uh, the idea that one has to decide what's, what's the objective here? What do I want exactly. to achieve here? Is it to convince Uncle Rick to vote for the Green Party next <laughs> time, you know, when when he's an avowed conservative? Or is it to give some information for them to think about later, maybe? Or is it just trying to get through the experience without experiencing too much trauma? Absolutely. And and knowing that um, the average individual may be a little bit less willing to bend, so to speak, when there's an audience present oh. versus if it's a one-on-one conversation. That's interesting. So if I really want to just share information, I probably do that you know, a week later when I go by to drop off a pie or something and we'll have a bit of a conversation about let's pick up on that topic. But doing it when there's an audience may not be the best time to get them to change their mind. Hmm. Nate emails, uh, my mom died from COVID-19 last Christmas and my family of conspiracy theorists has her taken off life saving treatment because they were slash are in denial They now deny she died from COVID, though her death certificate plainly says that. And we all saw her in the ICU. I can't bring myself to see them this year. We're still in a pandemic. How does that factor into all this? Hmm. Um, So first, my condolences to to that writer. Um, That's a tough one. Um, If being in that situation, if I know that this was the cause and um, these individuals or their beliefs played a role in what treatments that my loved one may or may not have been given. And I feel that to go there would just end terribly. I would probably follow what they're, sounds like they're deciding to do and probably would not go. Um, You could do something else, find a way to memorialize 
um, the loved one, um, find a way to give back or go to dinner with friends that may be more supportive or other family members. But um, to still be grieving and then be reminded of the painful parts of that grief, it's just nothing joyful about that at all. And it sounds like um, Nate Nate can make some decisions about uh, am I looking to uh, just get through this or do I need to – even bring do I need to specifically explain why I'm not comfortable here or can I maybe find another reason to just not come? Well, whatever Nate is comfortable yeah. with. Um, but I think if the family is very vocal about their beliefs, I'm pretty sure they know where Nate stands on that. Um, but to be able to just express, you know, due to, you know, the way things have turned out, it's just in my best interest for my own healing and grief process not to attend the family dinner. Dr. Robinson, how how is all this for kids? Is, are the holidays stressful for them too? Well, kids look forward to seeing their cousins and family members and grandparents and, and seeing the spread. So, you know, kids are all about the joy and the laughter and, and, and hanging out. So um, hopefully the adult conversation um, doesn't, you know, interrupt that. I think sometimes having kids present is a good shift in um, adults being able to recenter um, themselves and remain PG thirteen in their conversations. Mm. So you know, Thanksgiving can be that that great time that if the family doesn't get together any other time of the year, that they usually can count on that one. And so, just you know, keeping them at the center and make sure it's still that magical time for them. But if if it's a, if it is an awkward situation, that's not something kids are going to pick up on that, right? Yes, they will. They are sponges. Yeah. So. Um, Hopefully there's usually that one adult that's a bit mindful of, you know, checking the temperature on the kids. Um, you know, some people may still have a swear jar out during that time <laughs> of the year and, and loading it up. Um, but, yeah, you definitely want to keep the language that's appropriate for them and understanding that, you know, this is also an important time for them. And, you you know, you just don't want to mess that up. Another thing that happens at a lot of these gatherings is the pouring and consumption of alcoholic uh, beverages. Yes. Let's add that into the equation here. How how does that affect all of the above? It affects everything, right? So the more alcohol you consume, the more you lower your filters, the more you lower your inhibitions, and things just kind of start to fly. So, you know, there are some hosts who may say that alcohol consumption won't be until after dinner, um, and the kids are dismissed and they're playing somewhere else. Um, Or you may have someone who may um, be mindful of how much is being poured, um, so those are all good tactics. And there's some families that don't serve alcohol at all for that very reason. And that's totally understandable because if it's already a tense situation, one person may think, oh, a glass of wine will make me feel less anxious. You don't know how much the next person is consuming. And so it can turn left very quickly. And maybe if there's a situation where you anticipate one of your guests might pose a problem where you don't have to intervene and say, um, Hello, Kate. Uh, we're not going to serve you until 4 p.m. You could maybe structure the day around. Oh, we're Absolutely. not going to drink during the appetizer. We're going to save it until dinner and just sort of space it out a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Delaying it until a certain time. Love that. Or if you make mixed drinks, you can always gauge how much alcohol is in that versus how much juice and other stuff. So that's another um, good way of so minimizing Serve that. poorly. Serve drinks you'd complain about if you got it at a bar. Exactly. (laughs) But they're free at the dinner, so they can't complain. Yeah, who could? Uh, Let's see. We're also hearing from some listeners uh, via Instagram. Here's two messages. Alana writes on Instagram, simply, my husband's family is full of Christian fundamentalists. Uh, Haley writes on Instagram, 
I don't have family in St. Louis. I was invited to a co-worker's dinner. They all have very different views than mine. I may not go. So if, if we're invited to someone else's holiday tradition as a newcomer, should we research the other guests? <laughs> if we see that the Facebook feed is full of misinformation and you know you're headed for something like that SNL sketch, uh, <laughs> how do you deal with that? I would say I would have a good conversation with the person who's inviting me. Um, they would know their families best. Um, I would say be open with that friend about what some of your concerns are. And it could be off base or they could be very much on target. Um, but I think having that conversation with the uh, friend that's inviting you w- would be a good starter. But if you feel in advance that it is just not going to work, a polite um, decline always, always helps. Hmm. And again, we you can join this conversation like Alana and like Haley. You can give us a call, 314-382-8255. That is 382-TALK. Uh, the emails are coming in, talk at stlpr.org. Tweet, STL on air, whatever you're most comfortable with. Dr. Robinson, have you turned down invitations for reasons like this? I have. I have. I'm I'm very big on boundaries. Um, and so um, something, you know, around the holidays, you know, I'm just not, you know, into compromising boundaries. So I have had invitations extended. And I know there may be individuals at the table that I am not comfortable with being around for personal reasons. So I will politely decline. I'll offer to send a dish or find another way if they're, you know, collecting diapers, say, for crisis nursery or something. You know, I'll send that, but I will just politely decline. Mm. And we, you know, we find places to sort of chuckle at some of these situations, but this is serious stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if the so-called awkward conversation we're talking about isn't, you know, grandma accidentally texted the wrong emoji, you know, it, it could be a racist comment and yeah. there's a human impulse to avoid conflict yes i speak to you today as as a white man and many leaders in the anti-racism movement say uh the white people need to be challenging themselves on racist statements wherever they come up to mm-hmm. show that that's not a comfortable place that that's not welcome um do we do that at thanksgiving too well and so again it depends on who's all at the table yeah. i mean i i think it may be nice to try to test the waters with leading into the conversation if there is strong opposition or awkward pause um, and the ultimate goal is to have meaningful anti-racist conversations then that time may not be best because you may not get far but following up with individuals one-on-one or in smaller circles may always be a good call is there value to just sort of flagging your your disagreement and your discomfort in the moment, but not fully delving into it and, and opening up the issue? Just saying, hey, I found that inappropriate. I'm just telling you that. Right. Yeah. You can definitely express, you know, make good eye statements. I feel blank because blank or when certain statements were made and you can put a period at that. At least you make your comfort level known if they choose to engage you know, then you know where you stand. But, it, you know, at least speaking up and verbalizing how you feel is always a, a good and way And centering go. it from yourself, right? It's not Absolutely. like an, it's not an appeal to authority. <laughs> hey, I read in the newspaper yesterday that you were supposed to do this and not do that. It's right. this is how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. This is how you're affecting me. Right, right. Is that is that easier for someone to sort of grasp and, and not throw up the defenses? Well, eye statements can be complicated. Um, And I usually say when you make a good eye statement, I avoid using the word you because then the other person feels as if you're blaming them for something. But if you say, I feel uncomfortable with this topic being shared, you know, that's a blank statement. No one can argue with you about how you feel. So, you know, at least you're expressing your feelings in the moment. 
And another piece of this conversation are folks who are not attending a family gathering but would have preferred to. But perhaps they're estranged from the family, and, and this discussion is, is a difficult one to even hear. Uh, a Cornell professor found at least 27% of Americans are estranged from a member of their own family. There's other research that suggests about 40% of Americans have felt that way at some point. Uh, Dr. Robinson, how do you as a psychologist coach people who are considering stepping back from their contact with their family uh, or who may have been cut off themselves? Well, I go from the approach of family is what you make it. So it doesn't always have to be just blood relatives. It can be close friends. It can be coworkers you've built a bond with. Um, it could be fur babies <laughs> that you own. So family is about what you make it. And it doesn't always have to be centered around a traditional dinner. Again, giving back, um, donating time somewhere else that helps you to center your own thankfulness is a good way to go. But it doesn't have to necessarily be blood relatives. However, if an individual is looking to how can I re-engage with my family, well, that may be a good time to kind of draw out a plan as to how to take those steps to correct some past actions or behaviors. Clinical psychologist Dr. Marva Robinson, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Today's episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dore. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.